afternoon, Lake Norman, and welcome to Town Talk. We're coming to you live from WSIC, the Real Talk studio nestled on the banks of beautiful Lake Norman. Streaming worldwide from Sheju, Korea, Columbia, South Carolina. I'm your host, Bill Russell, president of Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, the largest chamber of commerce in the Charlotte region. This is a program where we discuss topics that are impacting your family, your friends, your neighbors, your business, from my neighborhood to yours. And my guest today is Titus Bartolotta. He's the head coach with Collaborative Solutions Group. He is the co-owner of Rise Cafe. He is the author of The Master Within. Titus, you've worn a lot of different hats. Uh, but before we actually get to you, uh, I want to talk to Bill, my producer in there, earlier today, was talking to Justin Kazepis, and he has accepted, accepted the challenge to the hitting derby at D-Bat Batting Cage in Huntersville. Uh, he was asking about home runs, and I said, I'm, I'm just looking for you to get a hit. Uh, <laughs> m- my question, Bill, is, is can the guy come around on a ball? I, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't know. Titus, we we have challenged the station owner. I came in here about, I guess, about three weeks ago, and he was talking about how boring baseball was. What? A- America's sport. How boring it was. He might be pulling for the wrong team. That might be the problem. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we challenged him to a hitting contest, and it's going to take place on Wednesday, The I think that's the 28th. Uh, uh, it's going to be high noon. We've got Bill, my producer. He is going to umpire, make sure he's... He's not cheating. Sure, yeah. And uh, the loser has to wash dishes at the Angels and Sparrows Community Kitchen. Wow. Um, but, you know, there are no, no losers in Yeah, that, no losers. Can I say I understand how important this battle is? Because <laughs> you know it's serious when someone says high noon, right? I mean, when somebody talks about high noon, this is a serious competition that's about to happen. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and Bill, uh, I'm looking for you to – now, it, it, is he going to go out and he's going to practice now? Oh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> he talks a lot. He talks a lot. Um, Titus, I've known you probably for 10, 15 years or more at KS Audio Video. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you, you called me out and you said, I want you to come over this afternoon, 5.30. We're going to have a little mixer. And I, I wasn't expecting a whole lot, and there were – I don't know, 100, 200 people buying Cass Audio Video, <laughs> and everybody was huddling around you. I think you were DJing. You were spinning their <laughs> records, but it, it was it was going on. But that's when the first time that I met you, and uh, you, you've you created the Business Leaders Unleashed, the Blue Group. Yeah. Uh, you, you've had a lot of foundation. You've been coaching. We've had the Leadership summits, and now you and your wife uh, have decided to also, like you didn't have enough to do, right? Yeah. You know, you, you, we're bored, you know. You decided, she actually, I think she's currently, uh, <clears throat> isn't she a manager uh, working in a car dealership? Yeah, she's been in the auto dealership world for over a decade and, and currently holds a management title uh, for a great dealership in Concord. But y'all decided, hey, you both have culinary backgrounds. You you, you said, we want to. We want to open up a small business. Yeah. So you have opened up Rise Cafe. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, I've got to tell you, first and foremost, thanks so much for having me oh, yeah. be a part of the program. I mean, uh, Bill, you are, this community owes you such a huge debt for what you do for, for the business community, for the philanthropic community. Uh, you really, really make this a place that's not only great to work, but to live. So, so thanks for having me on the show. But I'll tell you... I remember being uh, real little and falling in love with my faith. So, so when I realized that, like for me, Christianity, I just said, "Gosh, I, I want to be totally sold out to my God." And I, I tried to figure out like how could I do that best because I didn't have a lot of resources. I, I couldn't be the number one tither. <laughs> In my community, they weren't going to build a wing of the church uh, named after me. So I was like, how can I do that? And so I just thought, well, I want to be as as much like Christ as possible, as much like God as possible. And then I realized how sinful and how, how many stupid mistakes I would make every day. So I wasn't sure if I was going to pull that off. What I ultimately came to is this. Uh, before God was anything else, he was a creator. He created the heavens and earth. It's the first title. It's the first hat he wears. So I have been committed to trying to be a creator my whole life, right? That has led me to being a connector and, and everything else. But so creating Blue, creating the Lotta Foundation, creating Rise, um, if you get around the right people and you have the mindset to build instead of tear down, you'll walk away 10 years down the road looking at what you've done 
not what you have failed to do. And so the Rise Cafe is another chapter of this like book that I'm trying to write, which is nothing more than a pursuit of trying to be like my God, which is I want to create as many good things that adds value to people in places as I can. And so that's what Rise is. Where is Rise Cafe located? Yeah, we're located uh, right in the Burkdale area of Huntersville, right? So our exact address is 20, uh, 9525 Burkdale Crossing Drive right here in Huntersville, uh, uh, North Carolina. And, and I got to tell you, I'm a little biased, but I think it's the best breakfast in, in the whole world if you're, if you're wanting to ask me. 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day of the week, uh, we scramble eggs as well as anybody. Well, I'll tell you, you, you had a ribbon cutting just a couple of weeks ago, and, and the bacon, you know how to cook bacon. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are the hours of, and, and days that you're open? Yeah, so we're, we're open. Uh, it used to be that we were open every day but Monday, and so starting this Monday, Labor Day, uh, we're actually going to be open on Mondays from now on. So we're open seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, come be our guest. And the lunch is both lunch and breakfast fair? All day long, it's breakfast and lunch. So you can order. I will, I'd be lying if I told you that folks considered us a lunch place. We, we, we die down around 1 o'clock. So if you want a quiet place to have a business meeting between 1 and 3, we're your place. Uh, we, but we serve lunch all day. So from meatball sandwiches, turkey melts, hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken fingers. But if I'm being honest, what we really hang our hat on is is breakfast. Uh, folks are getting eggs benedicts and omelets and and scrambled this and scrambled that, pancakes and waffles from 7 a.m. until we close at 3 o'clock. It's a great place to get a great breakfast. And you've already touched this, but why the name Rise Cafe? Yeah, you know, everything points back to my faith. It's the it's like how I identify. Uh, in 2023, people identify as a lot of things. And I don't want to get weird or overly political, but I've always just identified as someone who's just like totally in love with Christ. And in the midst of all of the mistakes, I'm trying real hard to get it right and honor my God. And so my wife and I, we were like, well, what are we going to call this thing? And we thought, well, if Jesus didn't choose to rise— There'd be no reason to scramble eggs, but but he did, so we will. And so we decided to call it Rise Cafe because uh, joy comes in the morning. And I have dealt with some painful moments in my life. And I know that if you just hold on and if you don't give up, if you kind of stand your ground a little bit and just kind of get through it, Winston Churchill, one of my favorite quotes, if you're going through hell, keep going. Like, like, don't stop. If you get to the other side, joy comes in the, the morning. When the sun rises, something special happens. So Christina has been a part of CSG, yeah. your, your other business. Now she's a part of this. I mean, yeah. so not a lot of folks are necessarily getting involved in businesses with their wife. Obviously, yeah. it's working well for you, too. Yeah, I will tell you that I consider my wife to be a partner in everything, from raising the kids uh, to managing the house. Collaborative Solutions Group, Rise Cafe, Lotta Foundation, and everything else, even the master within, doing life with my wife as a minority or a shareholder would be would be a mischaracterization. An equal partner in everything, and I'm I'm so blessed to have that kind of a partner in my corner and on my side. She is she is fantastic, and I know the book that you wrote. Or we're going to talk about that in just a little while. But she had, she was a big part of that. Um, those of you who are out there, stay with us. We're going to take a brief break for news. Stay with us on Town Talk, and those streaming, uh, stay with us too. We're going to talk about some chamber activities. Come back and see us. Those of you streaming with us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and all the the uh, new X instead of Twitter, uh, <laughs> right. YouTube, uh, thank you for staying with us. We're going to talk about some Chamber of Commerce activities. And on Tuesday, October the 10th from 11 o'clock to 5, we're going to be having our Business Expo at the Huntersville Recreation Center. Titus, you're a bronze member of that. Rise Cafe is yeah. going to be present at the Expo. Why do you participate in the Expo? Well, I, I got to tell you, it's it, the better question is probably... Why be a part of and participate in the chamber? Uh -huh. uh, I mean, the expo is a great extension of the chamber, but I think the Chamber of Commerce and this expo is the place to be if you want your business to be recognized, if you're if you want your business to be legitimate and you want credibility, and also if there is a body, if there's an organization that's actively working for the betterment of business, well, what kind of a member of the business community would I be if I'm not? helping to add blood and oxygen into that larger organization. So being at the Expos is in my best interest and supporting the Chamber is as well. 
Well, we are uh, sponsorship sales are wrapping up on Friday. So if you're thinking about sponsoring the expo, uh, contact the Chamber of Commerce between now and Friday. After Friday, we'll still have general registration open for businesses that are looking to register. We will have 120 businesses there. It will sell out. It always does sell out. So if it's something that you are considering doing, please contact the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce, 704-892-1922 or lakenormanchamber.org. Um, also in October, we're having our candidate forums uh, Thursday, October. October 12th is the candidate forum in Cornelius. We have two people running for mayor, 10 candidates running for commissioner. We're having two forums in Huntersville. You and Christina still live in Huntersville. Yeah, absolutely. We've got three people running for mayor and 16 people running for commissioner spots. There are six Six board members and uh, 16 people running for those spots. Do you think I should run for something? <laughs> it's Do too we... late now. Oh, okay. But we can get you next time. But <laughs> Tuesday, October 17th, we will have the the, the three mayoral candidates and probably five uh, commissioner candidates. Thursday, the October 19th, we'll have the balance of the commissioners. Um, Justin Gazeppis, who is the general manager and owner of WSIC, is going to be our MC, And so he'll be taking care of that. On September 14th, we have our diversity luncheon at noon. That's where we recognize the individual, the small business, the nonprofit, and the corporation that has that is out there promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in our region. So we have that going on September 14th, noon, diversity luncheon. Beth Bledsoe is going to be our speaker, and she's going to be talking about reengaging veterans into the workforce. For those of you uh, who are with us on streaming, we're going to be back live in just a second. And we're back at Town Talk. I'm Bill Russell, your host. I have Titus Bartolotta. He is the author of The Master Within, also a co-owner of Rise Cafe in Huntersville and Collaborative Solutions Group. Uh, Titus, before we went to break, we were talking about The Master Within. It's a book you wrote, I think, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, the Master Within, you, you kind of started off the mm. book with the premise, what if? Yeah. You know, what, what if? And you look in the mirror and, and there are these talents, these attributes, these skills that are are really built within each of us if we can just hone it and, and pull it out. Where did you come up with the title, The Master Within? Oh, man. Well, uh, you know, my wife and I, anyone who knows me knows that I tend to be the talker, right? I, I, I tell the joke, but the punchline was written by my wife, right? She she has loaded my lips with the, the best words that, that I've ever spoken. And and we were really, I, I went to my wife and I just said, I know that the majority of people walking this earth have the ability to craft and create a masterpiece. I, I, I know they can do it, but we live in the society where people are able to get something out and into the marketplace so quickly, a selfie, take a photo, gone, out into the world, Facebook post, X, YouTube. Because we can deliver something so quickly, I don't think that we deliver quality. We just make something and we hit the post button. We uh, Could you imagine the writers that defined the human language? Can you imagine some of the greatest quotes of all time? Do you think that those people thought about it a few times before they did it and said it? Michelangelo famously says, you know, they asked, how in the world did you make the David? Right? I mean, this is a sculpture people, tens of thousands of people travel every year to go see. And he said, well, I saw the angel that was inside the stone and I just kept hitting the stone until I released it. So <laughs> I think that I think that the master within title came because I was convinced that, that the ability to be a master, not an apprentice, a master, not a novice was what God called us to be. And we could create masterpieces, but I just thought we had to do a few things so we stopped putting out mediocrity and replaced it with a masterpiece. Titus, you talked about the influence that your grandfather had in your life, and certainly my grandfather, uh, Russell, and Feimster were both uh, very prominent in my life. Grand- Granddaddy Russell, I would I'd spend a lot of weekends uh, working out in the garden with him. But talk about the influence of your grandfather, because that made quite the impression on you. Yeah, my grandfather um, really was, uh, you know, him and my mother, uh, the most influential people in my life. My, my grandfather was really the father figure. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know my father until I was 12 years old. And my grandfather assumed this parental, you know, representation of what being not just a man, but being like a, a part of the community, a, 
this is where I, st I started to learn about things like ro rotary and I started to learn about things like business community. And he kind of, he, he always spoke to me when I was seven, he talked to me like I was 10. When I was 10, he talked to me like I was 15. When I was 15, he talked to me like I was a 21 year old person. He always spoke into my future. He, he spoke to who he wanted me to become, not who I was. And I remember there would be times where my mother would, would yell at him and say, Joe, he's only eight. And he said, but he won't be eight forever. <laughs> and he wanted to like, he wanted, I thought he was create, trying to help create, um, something, uh, that would, that would, that would be special. I, I think that every good work that I've done, uh, is in some way influenced by the work that he did. And, um, and I think every time I've missed the mark and come up short, um, when I get to see him one day, I'll apologize for that because I would hate for that to be on his record too. But he, he just, he always pointed me back to the country. He was a patriot. Yeah. He fought in world war two. <clears throat> you could not disrespect this country. He didn't care if the person he voted for won or not. That was the president. That was the Senator. That was the mayor. And we will respect that person. And so I, I learned how to function in, in society in a way that I think um, is respectable. And it was, it was because of him. You know, Titus, I still remember Saturday nights, uh, we would have dinner and then granddaddy would, would tell me, let's go out on the back doorsteps and shine our shoes. And I'd go like, well, mine don't need shining. I haven't worn them <laughs> since last Sunday, granddaddy. Yeah. It's a shine them anyway. That's and right. so you, you sat on the back doorsteps and you shine the shoes. And then, then it said, come on inside. We're going to study for the lesson tomorrow. And I'm going, mm. like, what lesson? The lesson in Sunday school. And I said, well, they're going to do that tomorrow. Why do I need to do this tonight? Yeah. You know, and he said, you need to be able to talk about it. Wow. And I, I was thinking as a little kid, why do I want to talk about yeah. it? But granddaddy was, was, in, you know, he was, he, you need to be able to carry on the discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so any, uh, those lessons that he imparted uh, certainly influenced me as well. My grandfather said something, Bill, when I was a kid, I didn't understand, but he, he would say, son, I've eaten more bread than you have. So let me show you how to eat bread. <laughs> and and I, at the time I thought, well, I thought I was pretty good eating bread. You put a little butter on it, you dip it in marinara. We're Italian. So you got to dip it in marinara. And what I learned was this was just what he, he was saying. Listen, I've been there and I've done that. And if you'll just trust me, if you'll be patient, and more importantly, if you'll follow me, I'm going to show you something. And, and, and today I remain curious. It helps me not to be judgmental or cocky or arrogant. And, and my grandfather taught me, if you're just going to be patient, you'll learn something from everybody. And so even if I'm in a room where I'm supposed to be the one giving advice, I ask a ton of questions because there's something to be learned. And the white hairs on his head uh, meant that he had been there, done that already. So You know, you know I read the book uh, when you first wrote it in 2018, and I went back and reread it this weekend uh, just to, to, to remind myself some of the things you wrote about. And you, uh, most of us in business have read Zig Ziglar. Uh, and see you at sure. the top. And you talk in the book about how Zig was rejected 39 times yeah. before he finally got that, that approved. Sure. Um, but, but talk about that. When you're, when, you're, when you're meeting with, when you're coaching business owners and managers, uh, what do you talk about in terms of never giving up? Yeah, great question. I think that perseverance is, uh, is one of those things that it's actually quite hard to teach. Like I think that perseverance has to be a personal choice. Uh, but when one chooses to, to be um, an artist of perseverance, and that's why the book, you know, if you, if you read the book, I talk a lot about artistry, right? Sculpting and painting. Cause I think that skills are more art forms. They're, they're intended to be leaned into and prayed about and, and, and search yourself. I mean, you think about Picasso and some of the greatest artists of all time and Zig, what Zig said before he died was different than what he said when he first started the development and the, in, in culinary, we would call it rendering. You render a sauce and you let it get thicker and thicker and thicker and, and the consistency changes. And I think that the same thing is true with these soft skills and with perseverance when you're a kid, someone teaches you, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Somewhere in the middle, the world tells you, knock it off, you can't do anything, right? And it messes with your mindset. But as an adult, we see some of this perseverance played out in some of our favorite athletes. You know, we see that Muhammad Ali said, well, you can keep punching, uh -huh. right? And I'll push you down when you get tired, George. Right? We see that, you know, a Bill Belichick, this, per this perseverance that says, 
we're not going to be done. All Tom Brady needs, although I hate Tom Brady, all he needs is 13 <laughs> seconds to win the darn game. And so the per- the idea of the guy who gives up first will always be the loser has got to be a fuel source that says, I'm just not done yet. you know. And so I think perseverance for Zig and for every role model in the life. Right now, everyone listening, if you just think for a moment – you know the person that that was persevering. Like you know, think right now. You know who that person is that never seemed to give up. It didn't matter money. It didn't matter who their boss was, their friends, how much they got mocked and made fun of, how silly. They just didn't stop. And uh, and I think that's a characteristic that we've lost. I think people are so quick to go, I can't, and uh, and throw their hands up. Um, they're so quick to go, it ain't working. My kids do this all the time. Uh, dad, this isn't going to work. And I go, how many times did you try? Well, I tried once <laughs> and I go, well, you didn't, you didn't try then. And so I, I think perseverance is, uh, it, it's gotta be a must if we hope to really have the kind of success that, uh, that is within us. You know, you, you just spoke about Muhammad Ali and in the book, you talk about how Muhammad Ali was not the aggressor. Yeah. And I didn't really think about that. I, mean, I I just saw Muhammad Ali dancing around and bopping people in the face. But you talked about how he let the other fighters kind of wear themselves down. And then he took over the latter part of the rounds. And I started thinking about that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But talk about Ali. Yeah, I think that one of my favorite things I ever heard was when Ali talked about that particular uh, uh, one of the most famous boxing matches of all times between him and George Foreman. And he talked about, you know, I had a plan. He said, I knew what I was going to do. And then he hit me. <laughs> and then the plan went out the window. I didn't know that a grown man could hit another man that hard. And so, you know, uh, <laughs> later on, Mike Tyson would famously say, everyone thinks they have a plan until they get punched in the face. And so Ali was the first one to kind of infer that. And he goes, the moment the man hit me, I thought, I'm going to need a new plan. <laughs> and so famously, he didn't know what his plan was. And, you know, there's a, a recent movie that came out, Big George Foreman. And, and when you watch the movie, they kind of show the, the that part of the, the, the movie shows that, that, that famous boxing match. And it looks like I'll, it looks like Ali knew from the very beginning that that, that was his plan. That's not true. No, Ali says, I, th- I had a plan and then I got punched. And then I said, I need a new plan. And it took three rounds for him to realize if a man would hit this hard, if a man would swing this hard, there's no way he'll have the same gas in his tank that I'll have in my tank, which means I just have to persevere. I just got to hold on and not give up. And then I'll bop him on his nose one time, and he'll be down for the count. we got about 30 seconds before we go to break. Uh, you're a John Maxwell trainer. What's your favorite John Maxwell book? you got 15 seconds. Oh, um, I would say the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. I mean, just every single one of those laws, each chapter from intentionality to awareness to the rubber band to consistency – our life-changing chapters. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Titus Bartolotta on Town Talk. That was good, Titus. That was that was fantastic. And I want to talk a little bit about more about John Maxwell a little sure. while. But some more Chamber of Commerce activities for those of you who are streaming with us on Facebook and the other social platforms. We have our business after hours at Advanced Wealth Strategies. That's Douglas Miriam. August 31st, so that's coming up uh, tomorrow night, 5.30 to 7. No, actually, that's next. No. August 31st, so. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah wow. <laughs> that's tomorrow night, yeah. So Douglas Marion, do you know Douglas, my board chair of the Chamber of Commerce? I'm great friends with Douglas. Um, <clears throat> one of his uh, employees are, are is the financial advisor for my family. Love him, love his practice. Love everything they do. Did you know he's uh, looking at getting into the brew business? No, I did not know that, although (laughs) it would not surprise me. He is an extraordinarily talented individual, and I can't imagine that he would fail at anything. But I knew that he he, he would enjoy a a beverage. Uh, I didn't know that he wanted to be brewing it, though. Entrepreneur. He's a a great guy. Uh, Ribbon cuttings coming up, too. We have on this coming Friday at 9 o'clock, we have the Cornelius Early Scholars, who was one of my guests just a few (coughs) weeks ago. 9 o'clock is Cornelius Early Scholars, and that'll take place at First Baptist Church in Cornelius. And then we scoot around town, go down to Huntersville for the Highland Creek Modern Dentistry. That'll be noon to 1 in, in Huntersville. We have a ribbon cutting next Tuesday. Spotlight branding will take place uh, on September the 5th. 
That'll be four or five o'clock. Again, we just had your ribbon cutting yeah. a few weeks ago. How important are ribbon cuttings for a business, Titus? I mean, it's a game changer because you bring people to your facility that probably probably weren't going to come or, or at least not for quite a while. And so to have such a large, diverse crowd of people to introduce your product and your service to, and also to be quite honest with you, Bill, to feel this kind of warmth of being like a part of a family, the mm -hmm. business community. Knowing that people came for no other reason other than to say welcome and congratulations really, really felt special. You know, I want to stick to some of the things that you've been involved with the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, again, the business after hours with, with Douglas Marion. How important is networking to any business? Well, I, I would say that it's as important as burn rates and cash flow. I mean, it's <laughs> it, 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 it is it is is the life and death of a business. If you're not able to network and connect uh, it, you're going to be in trouble as a business owner. Okay. We've got 10 seconds. Uh, we're pleased those streamings keep, keep with us on town talk. Well, good afternoon, Lake Norman. Thank you for coming back to town talk. I'm your host, Bill Russell. I have Titus Bartolotta, who is the head coach of collaborative solutions group. He is also a co-owner of rice cafe and the author of the uh, Master Within, and we were talking about the book Master Within before we went to break and talking about Muhammad Ali, but you also talked about Derek Jeter and how he was a great leader uh, and a great teammate, uh, and we both are baseball fans. Uh, yeah. You said you're a huge Yankees fan. I'm a Love huge it. Yankees fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, Derek Jeter, it, he might be the last of his kind. Uh, 20 years for one team, when's that going to happen again? Let's just start there. Number two, go to one of the most polarizing cities in the country and have zero scandals for 20 years. Work for one of the most uh, bossy, think-he-knows-it-all, uh, boisterous owners in a, in a George Steinbrenner, famous, um, and, and have the kind of relationship that he had. And then lastly, the team, if you know anything about it, you can hate the Yankees, but what you can't do is say that they don't have talented people, right? Over the decades, they have more Hall of Famers than anybody else. So to be on that team of already a star-studded, financially uh, equipped team and still stand out um, is something quite special. And and really, for me, it was always his leadership. It was, uh, I remember watching, as a kid, I wanted to swing a bat like him. I wanted to dive and catch a ball like him. Um, I didn't know what the difference was. Uh, he was he was three feet taller and uh, 200 pounds lighter than me. That was it. That was the only difference <laughs> between he and I. But I got to tell you, you know, I watched a, a, a him do a, a, a radio interview one time in the locker room. There were cameras all over. There were 15 mics in his face. He had made one of his, well, at the time, maybe it wasn't so regular, but it was the first time he did one of his his diving and then from his knee side throws to first that he became famous for. And everyone was so enthralled. He, he almost went to third base to get this ball from shortstop and from one knee sidearmed it, one bounced it to first base to win the game. Everybody had the camera in his face and the, and the microphone in his face and, and just said that was the most athletic, most incredible play. Maybe Ozzie Smith is the only person to ever do a, a more, uh, you know, more, more impressive play at shortstop. What do you have to say? And Derek said, well, I should have hit him in the chest. <laughs> and had he not scooped it, everybody would have thought he did a bad job for not making the play at first. My job is to make my teammates look better. And if I want him to be the star he is and be recognized, I ought to throw the ball right at his chest and make it easy for him. I'll do better next time. I got to tell you, I'd never in my life heard somebody have that statement where it was supposed to be, that was pretty amazing what I did, right? Look how good I am. And it taught me this level of humility and grace and how my job as a leader, my job as a star, my job as whatever it is on the team is got to be, how do I make the people around me better? Um, Simon Sinek said, leadership's not about crossing the finish line. It's about bringing everybody with you across the finish line. It's not about being in charge. It's about understanding the responsibility for those you're charged with. And I thought that as a young kid, Jeter was the first person that showed me he understood the difference. You know, Titus, when I was in third grade, I, I, nine years old, sitting in the stands, uh, watching my dad play baseball for a city league team, uh, he was a shortstop. And I'll never get this. This ball was hit. And my dad leaped over, knocked the ball down, grabbed it, threw it, threw it to first, got the guy out. And I remember this. I don't remember who it was beside me going like, 
and he didn't know he was my dad. He said, he's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, that's my dad. Yeah, that's awesome. And <laughs> daddy was a big New York Yankees fan, so I was kind of Smart raised, man. Yeah, I was raised a Yankees <laughs> fan. And, and so I, I gave dad this plaque for Christmas. It still hangs at the farm. The 1961 Yankees, and I said, so, like, who was your favorite? Was it, you know, Mickey Mantle, uh, Yogi Berra? You know, Bobby Richardson was on that team. He was a coach at South Carolina. And he said, Clint Boyer. And I was going, Clint Boyer? You know, I, I knew Maris. I knew Mantle, Clint Boyer. And sure. he, said, he said, well, he was a third baseman. He was a great glove, but he was a really good man off the field. Wow. And to my dad, being an athlete was important. But but being a good man off the field was equally important. Yeah. So what we talked about, uh, you're a John Maxwell trainer, and um, uh, we were talking about what led you to, to John Maxwell versus Tony Robbins or anybody else. And um, we, we talked about leadership is what really drove you to that. And in your book, you talk about leadership is creating other leaders. Yeah. Can you speak about that? Yeah. I got to tell you, when I was deciding where would I procure my education and my training, I'd already found some success. I had already won some awards and I thought, well, I, I ought to give advice because I know a few things, but I wanted to go hone the skill. I wanted to understand really how to convey to somebody in such a way that it would stick. I didn't want to just talk for talking sake. I wanted to have someone's life to change. And so I went through the John Maxwell program to become a certified coach and speaker. And it was because of John's character and his commitment to faith. He started off uh, as a person who uh, wanted to develop pastors and, and, and grow people closer to the Lord. Then he became a, a, a guru in leadership. Um, and, and ultimately, I thought he was a great storyteller. And so those were some of the things that drew me to John and, and made me really fall in love with the way that he goes to market when he speaks, coaches, trains, uh, and teaches. And, and John really was the kind of guy that said, um, <laughs> your P&L sheet ought to be good, uh, but the balance sheet of your integrity ought to be better. And I just, I fell in love with that and, and believe in it so much. Uh, your business coach, Collaborative Solutions Group. Talk, yeah. talk a little bit about what is Collaborative Solutions Group. <laughs> Yeah, so we started Collaborative Solutions Group because I really felt in my heart that I could, through the art of private coaching, uh, group training, uh, facilitating mastermind discussions, I could help people be more strategic and more profitable. Um, I could help them uh, prioritize better, organize their time better. I could help folks maybe have a, a more winning mindset. Um, I could help them really understand the difference uh, between needs and wants. Ultimately, I, I really wanted to help people realize their potential. And so um, starting Collaborative Solutions Group was really just the entrepreneurial way to put myself in a position that says I'm for hire. And, uh, and since we've done that, I've been able to work with just really amazing national companies and small companies that maybe no one's heard of. But ultimately, for me, it's really never the company. It's always the person. Everybody wants to grow a company. Uh, they ought to really be focused on growing the leader of the company, and then you'll watch what happens. But that's what we do at Collaborative Solutions Group. And if somebody were, were wanting their own personal and professional development, if they wanted someone to be on their side and in their corner, and they, they might want it to be me, if they go to www.team-csg.com, uh, I'd love to talk to them for free, find out their wants and needs. I know you've got clients throughout the Carolinas. Are you taking on any additional clients? You know, um, I haven't been for quite some time. I've got two slots. Uh, that sounds salesy, but it, it's true. So therefore, it's okay to say uh, I, I have two slots. Um, I'm very careful with my time. Uh, when I first started the business, I wasn't. It was <laughs> everybody, please call me, right? You know, <laughs> I think that's true of every business. But then you get to a place where you realize, okay, I have the kind of clients I want. I, I'm, I'm coaching the amount of hours I want. I'm able to pour into my two boys and spend time with my wife and be engaged in my church. Um, but recently, I had a, a few opportunities to, to extend and have more time. So I would love to take on one or two more people. Um, but I'm blessed to, to already be in the corner of some really, really awesome individuals and teams. You know, when I think about Titus Bartolotta, I think about entrepreneurship because you're someone who has uh, started, uh, again, uh, 
Blue, the Business Leaders Unleashed, uh, the Lotta Foundation. Um, we had recently a meeting of our entrepreneurial group at the Chamber of Commerce called Leaders and Legends, and I was listening to some of them going around the room talking about um, their involvement as entrepreneurs. And when they when they talked about it, some of the things that, that really came out was risk risk taking, mm-hmm. and how some of them regretted perhaps not taking risk early yeah. on that they should have. They were a little bit more cautious. Some thought they more people knew about things than they did. They didn't know enough, yeah. so they didn't they didn't jump into it. Um, and then one per- person in particular talked about how they. You know, they, they, they sweat in the shower, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're constantly thinking, have I overextended? Have I taken yeah. too great a risk? But talk about risk taking as, as an entrepreneur. You know, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask because I, I, I'm, I'm biased. I lean towards taking risks, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is a space where I try, I try when I give advice to be impartial and ask more questions than I do tell uh, people things. But I'll tell you that for me... Um, the most risky proposition is being risk adverse. Mm-hmm. I really think that th- that most of the time in life, Bill, it's not that we lack resources to, to win. It's that we lack resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. And so if risk might eat up some of my resources or put me in a cumbersome position, it's okay to be in that position because I'll have acquired insight and experience that I didn't otherwise have. There is not a situation that you're in today uh, this is for someone that's listening. There's not a situation that you're in. There's not a challenge. There's not a struggle that you're in today that you cannot get out of, period. There, there's not a bankruptcy. There's not a, a, a moral failure. There's not a financial oops. There's not a, a thing that is bigger and greater than the resources that are available through your network, through your community, through your church, and certainly nothing bigger than our God. So so if you if you risk and it doesn't go great, Get everything out of that experience you were supposed to get out of it. Gather and marshal your resources and your network and march forward, young man. Someone told me that one time. And so I, I, I'm just convinced that when we don't take a risk, we have to live with the what if forever. Um, we got yeah. about 90 seconds before we go to a break. Uh, you're also known, you and Christina, for introducing the Lotta Foundation, which was uh, uh, an entity that brought Christmas to a lot of children that yeah. wouldn't have wouldn't have known a Christmas. You did that for a number of years. A lot of volunteers were involved. Yeah. I want to ask you this, though. Not why you created the Lotta Foundation, but why is giving back so important to the community? Why is it so important that you give back? Yeah, I, I think that... Um I think that if if the statement, it's not a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness is going to always be true, which is a a motivational statement, then there has to be enough folks that are willing to give so that we all have the resources we need to win. For me, as a person that dealt with poverty, uh, that dealt with hunger, that dealt with a lack, there were individuals that poured into my bucket that donated a sandwich, that donated a toy, and it changed the fabric of my life. It it literally changed the outcome of who I am and, and what I would become. And, and to be that for someone else is a blessing. Thank you, Titus. Uh, stay with us. Come back on WSIC's Town Talk. We'll be right back. For those of you who are streaming with us, uh, thank you for staying with us. We're going to talk about some other Chamber of Commerce programs. We're currently taking applications for Leadership Lake Norman. Uh, mm-hmm. The deadline for Leadership Lake Norman is September the 8th. Uh, we have had over 650 people graduate from Leadership Lake Norman. We also have created a Junior Leadership Lake Norman uh, program for high school juniors. So if you have a young high school junior that has just started, whether that's in public school with CMS, charter school, private school, uh, homeschool, they can go through Junior Leadership Lake Norman. That deadline is September 15th. And uh, information on both programs are at lakenormanchamber.org. Titus, you are a graduate of Leadership Lake Norman. Tell me about your experience in leadership. Yeah, um, with that program in particular, Mm -hmm. I found that I was able to do a few things. One, the folks that were in that particular class became friends uh, and connections and spheres of influence for me. Um, I was able to really touch all the different elements that make a community what it is 
uh, from municipalities to to governance to uh, trash removal, the nuances, the healthcare system that make a community so so special. So to be able to go and learn and develop the operational excellence and the leadership and administrative awareness uh, of a community at that level is not something that you can just press a button and, and get. Uh, it would require a chamber that makes the investment and commitment to make that available to people. I would highly encourage people uh, to get involved in their local chamber, obviously the Lake Norman Chamber, and participate in a leadership program like that for sure. And and for those of you who are listening, in, uh, in, in any area that you are, most chambers of commerce have a leadership program. So Mooresville, South Idle Chamber of Commerce, Statesville Chamber, um, most of us have leadership programs. Ours started in 1997. That wow. was our very first program. And again, we've this one of the better programs that we run. Information about Leadership Lake Norman, you can find that on the Lake Norman Chamber of Commerce website at lakenormanchamber.org. And again, also the Junior Leadership Lake Norman which is a kind of an abbreviated program of that started by Leadership Lake Norman. That's on the website as well. Uh, we'll be back on Town Talk live in just a second. Thank you, Bill, the producer. Uh, this is a real honor. I have Wayne Hyatt from the University of South Carolina Athletics. Uh, he is the CEO of the Gamecock Club. Wayne, welcome to Town Talk, and it's good to have you. Bill, thanks for having me. Y'all uh, staying dry up there? Well, we're trying to stay dry. Is it raining in Columbia yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been raining for about three hours. Uh, Wayne, I, I don't know that I've shared with you a lifelong Gamecock. Uh, while I went to Winthrop University, my dad went to South Carolina. From the time I was like five, six years old, I was going and watching Bobby Richardson coach at South Carolina's baseball team. I, I was at the games with John Roach, Tom Owens, uh, Reebok Riker, Kevin Joyce, and then Tommy Suggs when he was the quarterback and not the announcer. I was in the stands back before we it was a smaller thing when we were still in the ACC, now, of course, in the SEC. But I am a lifelong Gamecock. I am thrilled to have you on the show today. Uh, we've got a lot of Gamecocks in the Lake Norman, Charlotte area. Yeah, no, we're very well aware. There's, uh, you know, the Gamecock Club uh, in general, uh, we have over 12,500 members, pushing 13,000 members now. And that Charlotte region for us is huge. Um, uh, James Wolf is our chapter president up there, and they have one of the best chapters. They do the most events. Um, so not only are there a lot of Gamecock Club members, but there are a lot of alumni association members um, so all you gotta do is drive down the highway to see the flags and everything else. It's really a, a beautiful sight to see. Wayne, we have got a huge event coming in three days. Uh, Carolina is playing Chapel Hill because again, I know some people think the, uh, Carolina is the blue one, but no, Carolina is garnet. <laughs> and, uh, in three days we take on Chapel Hill. Uh, how's ticket sales going? Oh, tremendous. I mean, um, I was talking to our ticket manager today, and um, since 2011, this kickoff game, neutral site kickoff game, uh, has been the biggest for us. We've moved our entire allotment, which was 12,500 tickets provided to us by the Charlotte Sports Foundation, which is the event that's putting on uh, the game. So we have no tickets left. I mean, for the last three weeks when members have been calling into the Gamecock Club trying to get tickets last minute through us, the answer has been that we're sold out. We've been pushing people to, you know, Ticketmaster and third-party ticket sellers. So um, how ticket sales going, they honestly could not be any better. So we're, the, the, the stadium is going to be Garnet. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I mean, if you, if you go online right now and look at Ticketmaster – they have, um, you know, a digital map of the stadium, and you can see different individual seats. And, uh, you know, not to rub it into anybody, but if you believe what our third-party ticket vendors are telling us, there will be more garnet than there will be blue. That's fantastic. I, I, I follow, I, I go on Facebook every day, look at the comments, the coach, and yesterday's practice, he was downplaying it a little bit and saying, uh, you know, this team yesterday is not going to be able to beat the Tar Heels, but uh, is Rattler going to bring his A game we certainly hope so. That Spencer Rattler that we saw in the Tennessee, the Notre Dame, and the Clemson game uh, is certainly the Spencer Rattler that everybody hopes to see to start this year off because that was certainly very special. But 
you know, I'm not a football coach. Uh, I watch football like everybody else. I have been out to football practice a couple times uh, in fall camp, and he certainly looks the part. I mean, he's sharp. He throws a great ball. Um, there's a couple of guys behind him too that we might uh, look forward to seeing at some point in time this season as well. Yeah, I was seeing I was seeing some of the guys that it was it has been a really really good year in terms of recruiting for the University of South Carolina. It has been, um, and, and the, the trick this day and age is to make sure you keep that class intact. But um, what Coach Beamer does and the culture that he's building, um, when those guys come to campus and they see what we're doing and they. Um, learn the, what the coaches want or expect from them. And they build those personal relationships with the other recruits in the class. These classes seem to stick together, um, even with NIL and, and other other topics that transfer portal and other things that are different in this day and age uh, than even three years ago. But um, we're excited to see where this goes and, and see what this next recruiting class may look like as well. Wayne, I'm I'm in the south end zone, so I'm in the Cockaboos section 13, Cockaboos Club. Uh, I've seen some tremendous tremendous improvements to Williams Bryce Stadium over the last few years. Is there any improvements to the experience uh, that's new for 2023? Yes, is the answer. Um, so uh, you know what every fan may see that seems insignificant, but when you look at the stadium, will look a lot better. Is that we actually painted most of the entire lower level. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of rust mark here and there. You won't see any of that this year. Um, there's new seats in the zone. So above where you sit, there's a premium area. Those individuals that sit in there will have new seats to sit in. Um, from our players perspective, you know, we spent the 2020 project, we spent about $20 million in the South end zone where you sit was included in that, but there was three other, four other club spaces included in that. Um, and we didn't really spend any money at that point in time on the student athlete experience in Williams Price. And this past year, we were able to improve their walkway from their, their locker room to the field entrance for 2001. There's going to be smoke and lights, music, um, really updated graphics. It's really neat. You'll see on the video board as the team's progressing out of the locker room. Um, so that'd be something really neat for them. It also helps in recruiting. And then, of course, um, we have uh, more twinkly lights. We programmed them even better than we programmed them last year. Um, I don't know that a lot of people realize this, but as impactful as the lights were last year, they were only programmed to about 50%. And we're having to fire them off in clumps. And we've got it down this year. We actually fire them off individually, which can really enhance what we can do with them, um, especially at night games. And then, of course, the different videos on the video boards that Justin King and his team have been working on to get everybody excited before the game starts and into the fourth quarter and that sort of stuff. So um, there's there's a lot to look forward to, much less what's going to happen on the field. Wayne, I was telling uh, uh, Bill Blakely when I arrived here that last year at the Tennessee game, I think we put, I think, something like 63 points on the board. Uh, they ran out of fireworks to shoot off. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, and, and we look forward to that happening again. If, if we can score more <laughs> points... To shoot all of our fireworks off, we'll do that every time. Wayne, I'm sitting here with Titus Bartolotta. Uh, we're, we're both huge baseball fans, and one of the things I was thrilled about this year was uh, South Carolina came up to Truist Stadium on a couple of occasions. We <clears> saw <throat> them play UNC Charlotte. Uh, not exactly a great game for me, uh, personally. Uh, we, we lost that game, but then we took on Chapel Hill, and, and we beat North Carolina at Truist. Are we going to see uh, more South Carolina baseball in Charlotte? It's certainly, um, you know, our director of operations, our head coach, assistant coaches want to play as many games up there. One, it's a beautiful ballpark, as I know you all know. Um, but two, it's an area of emphasis for not only the University of South Carolina, not only our football program, but our ba baseball program as well. So the short answer is yes. Um, and as those schedules continue to be uh, ever evolving, I think you'll see Charlotte um, and in in some surrounding areas potentially on the schedule in the future. Um, Titus, have you been able to get over to a game at Truist Stadium? Uh, yeah, it, it is exceptional. I don't think there's a bad seat in the whole place. They've built it in such a way to whether you're in the quote unquote cheap seats or the premium seats, it's a really great vantage point. Uh, I've been able to take my kids there. 
It's always this family vibe, which is really great. But then from, I think they have this beer garden section. And <laughs> there's like also an, an area where if you want to maybe have a more of an adult experience, you could. So whoever put it together, cheers to them, man. It, it's really fantastic. Wayne, I want to thank you for taking time uh, out of your schedule today. I know you've got a lot going on just a few days before the big game with, with Chapel Hill. Uh, question for you. I, I know we have a very strong uh, Gamecock Club in Charlotte. Any plans to bringing a Gamecock Club to Lake Norman? We're always looking. Um, there's certain criteria that different areas have to meet, um, but uh, we have uh, three individuals on our staff that work exclusively with chapters and alumni relations that would be would love to have that conversation. I know at one point in time um, that chapter did exist. I think it was absorbed into uh, Charlotte, if, if I remember correctly, but um, we would love it. I mean, any time that we can have um, volunteer groups um, hosting events for Gamecocks to get together, um, especially in a state in which they might not be so friendly to Gamecocks all over the place, um, we want to create that sense of community. And if that's what a chapter in Lake Norman would do, that's what we want to create. Well, we've got a lot of fans, uh, South Carolina Gamecock fans, a lot of graduates of University of South Carolina in the area. We'd love to see a Lake Norman Gamecock Club uh, and anything I can do to help facilitate that. Love to help you. Well, careful what you wish for, but we'll be in touch. <laughs> Thank you very much, Wayne, and uh, appreciate you taking time with us today. Thank you guys for having me. Titus, in the couple of minutes that we have left in the show, I want to talk about your faith, because uh, I know that uh, you're also a, a minister. You're an ordained minister. Yep. Um, why is faith? Because when you look at any business, anything that you've been involved in, it, there's two things that, that really you gravitate around: faith and family. Uh, when you meet with when you meet with your clients, uh, do you coach that? Is that part of what you're coaching them on? Well. I would say yes, indirectly. Um, <laughs> they may not always know that I'm kind of pouring that into the experience, but I believe that, um, you know, that I, I, mean, I try to be really intentional. I believe that if we lack family and we lack faith, um, it's, it's going to be a really hard road to tow. I think that challenge will come, um, temptation will come. Uh, distraction will come. And in many cases, it is that of our family and our faith that keeps us focused so that we can do that persistent thing you were talking about earlier. Well, Titus, I'm going to tell you, I have been doing this for since 1996 for 28 years, and, and you are a true blessing and treasure in the Lake Norman region. And I've enjoyed our association and leadership summits and everything else that you've done. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Remember, if it's Wednesday afternoon, we're talking about our towns on Town Talk on WSIC. We'll see you next week. Go Cox.